Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 23rd. Laugh with others, but never at them. Let them feel that you are their friend. Avoid the boisterous laughter that is so commonly heard at revels. When I say laugh with others, I refer to that softer, more intimate sound, which comes with inner appreciation for their company. I love that last part, that softer, more intimate sound that comes with inner appreciation for their company. I'm sure you have many memories in your life, as I do in mine, of just being with someone when something was said that was so funny, that was such a shared joke between you. You know, just some uh, deep appreciation between you of something absolutely marvelous that you can hardly believe happened. And just exactly that softer, more intimate sound that isn't boisterous, that isn't outgoing, but it's just, it, it's really a natural expression of the sheer joy of our friendship and our company. I was remembering when I heard this, I never learned the rules of grammar. I can't recite them. Commas are a complete mystery to me. My parents spoke excellent English, and I just knew the sound of it, and I always could do the right thing, but I could never keep the rules straight in my mind. But somehow along the line, the use of I and me just just eluded me. And so I consistently... When I was supposed to say, you know, James and, and I, or James and me, I would get really mixed up. Now I can almost always figure it out, but it's still it's a big problem. And all through my years of knowing Swamiji, he would always correct me. Because he just never, he never wanted any of us to speak incorrectly. And it was my one notable, very large error, and so he would always correct me. And it just went on for years. And um, then he... Uh, over the course of time, his life became more complicated. Ananda grew bigger. He began to live in three different locations. He would live sometimes in India, sometimes in Europe, sometimes in America, and then sometimes in Los Angeles, and sometimes in Northern California. So my opportunity to be with him was less. And in some context or another, in Los Angeles, he was invited to, to be interviewed on some radio show. Uh, some major radio show, and I really don't know why, but they also wanted me to be on it because they thought it would be more interesting if someone who had known Swami for a long time was also there when Swami was being interviewed. So we were all... I, I, let me just get this kind of clear in my head. I think we were all in person. I don't think we were on the telephone, but now at the moment I'm not entirely sure. But I was just saying something along, and I used I and me incorrectly, and right there on, on the radio station in front of the interview, in front of all the people, Swami just corrected me. We were in person. Swami corrected me. And I looked at him and him looked, he looked at me. And we just began to laugh in just this way. It was like it never stopped and I never got it right. We just laughed the entire time. But it was, it was and the, the interviewer could tell that there was something completely other happening. Because she could feel it. And she sort of began to laugh with us because she could feel that it was the kind of 
laughter that draws everybody in and makes them happy instead of the kind of laughter that makes you just wince a little bit and wish it, wish it weren't happening. On another occasion, it was similar. Oh, I know what it was. P.G. Woodhouse is a very uh, extremely excellent uh, British humorist. And he's, he's written many books and they're all just hilariously funny. And let's see. And I described P.G. Woodhouse as ridiculously entertaining. And I was, I think I was speaking, explaining it to someone else in a group or something. And I said, P.G. Woodhouse is ridiculously entertaining. And Swami said, no, he's entertainingly ridiculous, which is actually true. You know, ridiculously entertaining is talking about how entertaining he is, ridiculously meaning exaggerated. But that wasn't what the point was. The point was that he's entertainingly ridiculous. It was a very different meaning if you follow it. And I sort of looked at Swami and then Swami said, the editor never sleeps, is what he said. <laughs> and ever thereafter, whenever there would be any little, you know, thing that had to be corrected, which was just so, you know, unnecessary, it would always be the editor never sleeps. And you know how that is when you develop those intimacies with people that are just, it's just the shared life experience and the shared enjoyment of of your friendship, of being together, of all the little foibles that have knitted you together for a lifetime. And it's very dear. And it's quite different than the kind of laughter that's at someone's expense. And now I'm going to give you a different example. Um, Swami Kriyananda has written, wrote 400 pieces of music, and like 200 of them are songs with lyrics. And maybe 15 of those are actually melodies he put to the songs in Shakespeare plays. Because he, when he was, melodies would just come to him. Melodies were effortless. But in order to write a, a poem that's, that's melody worthy, that can go with the music, would take more effort. And one day he just got tired of having to try to write the lyrics and he wanted to just let the music flow. So he opened the Shakespeare plays and he just picked out the, the songs that attracted him the most, and then he wrote melodies to those songs. So they're of a different... Um, the melodies are exquisite, but some, some of the lyrics, um, some of the lyrics are frivolous, and some of the lyrics are almost bawdy. Not terribly bawdy, because it's Shakespeare, but, you know, in delay there lies no plenty, so come kiss me, sweet and twenty. You know, it's like, that's not like... The secret of laughter lies in the laughing, not in the search for joy, <laughs> or various other words, if you're seeking freedom. So, um, Swamiji, we were, at, we were at the table in, in my house, and there was like about a dozen of us at the lunch table, which there often were when Swami visited. And there was a man there, and the man is a very good singer, but he has a slightly, he's, he's just different. He's a younger man. His energy was different than Swami's. And Swami said to him, he said, I think your voice is more suitable for the Shakespeare songs than mine. He said, I think you should record an album of those Shakespeare songs. Now, everyone at the table, we were all good friends. We all started thinking about what some of those songs say and just, you know, that they're, they're much more frivolous and sometimes they celebrate worldly life in a different way, which seemed more in keeping with this man's temperament than Swamiji's. So a certain kind of teasing got started around the table, and in Ananda we tease a lot. It's not like that was unusual. 
But there was just sort of teasing this man because his behavior was not always exemplary. <laughs> he had a more colorful past. And so we were obliquely referencing that, but in a brotherly sister way. And the man took it in good spirit. But I looked over, and Swami was absolutely silent. He was not participating, he was not laughing, and he was not smiling. He wasn't looking dour, he wasn't like looking angry, but he absolutely would not participate. And when the whole thing finally stopped, Swami just said to him again, you have a wonderful voice, and I think it's more suitable for the Shakespeare songs, and I think that you ought to make an album. It's just like because he knew that there was just this little edge where that man was going to feel oversensitive about that that it wasn't this sort of intimate friendship where we could all be happy, where Swami could correct my grammar on a radio program, and I would just think it was very, very funny. I wouldn't be hurt. But to even obliquely reference this man's slightly checkered past, which is what we were doing, Swami knew was hurtful. And absolutely not. He also didn't judge us, but he just... He would, not, he would not lend his energy to it. And when it was over, he just took it right back to where he was doing it in a serious way. So laughter is a, a, wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful means to an end because it relaxes people. When Swamiji would give lectures, when Yogananda would give lectures, he would often tell jokes. He would tell jokes that he really enjoyed. And, and then Swamiji said, when everybody was laughing and was completely relaxed, and sort of like undefensive. Your, your, your defenses come down when somebody tells a joke. It's just your friend and you're enjoying it. He said, then in that relaxed state, Master would slip some important spiritual idea in. When people's defenses were down and when they were feeling a kinship with him. And so it is in our relationships with people. When we laugh together in the right way, then the bonds of friendship become deeper. If the laughter is at... Excuse me. <coughs> if the laughter is too outward, he says the boisterous laughter that you hear at, a, at revels, if you hear that boisterous laughter, it doesn't make people feel close. It just sort of dissipates the energy and it goes nowhere. I had a very interesting experience, interesting to me. It also tells you how strange my life is in certain ways compared to many. There was a year, it would have been 1981, when um, we were making an effort to incorporate Ananda Village as a California city. The only entity that has control over land use besides the county is a municipality. This is the esoterica of um, California law. And we wanted to gain control over our own zoning and our own land use because we were a unique situation and we were not getting a fair shake from the county. So even though we were really just a big farm, technically we could qualify as a California city. So for 18 months, uh, two other women and I, both of them were attorneys, and I was the, the spokesperson primarily, we worked hard on this project. And we, there was a local agency of volunteer citizens, and they were in charge of making the decision. And we were making friends with the city and making, with the, with the county officials and making friends with people who were involved in this process. So as a consequence, my, one of my friends and I were invited to a Christmas party that was given by this civil engineer and his company. And it was a 
big event in the county, and it was a you know it was nice to be invited. So we went, and it was very interesting because we were in this very nice room, and we sort of looked around, and I'm used to Ananda parties, and Ananda parties are very creative. There's always entertainment. There's skits. There's music. People sing together. You know, people perform. And I realized there was a piano in the room, but it was turned around and it was faced against the wall. It was quite clearly not going to be used. There was no evidence of anything else that was going to happen in that in that party. And then it crossed my mind because I had the last, I think the last time I drank any alcohol was probably half a beer before I was 21, it went like 1966. And that was the last. And even then, that was the end of a very, very small cycle with that. My family was completely teetotalers. Um, my girl, my birth family. So we were there. And I gradually realized that the entertainment was that people were going to get a little drunk. And it just, at first it just shocked me. I'm so naive. Absolutely shocked me. But then I watched it happen. I watched people just sort of get louder and louder and more boisterous. And nothing was happening. There was no there was no intimacy being created. There was no understanding being created. There was no real friendship being created. People were just getting a little intoxicated. And the more intoxicated they got, the more boisterous they got. And you know, we stayed long enough to be polite, drinking water or something else that, you know, could pass because we didn't want to make a point. And then when enough time had passed, we gracefully excused ourselves. But I, it made me very sad. It makes me very sad to think about it now. So what we need to do in our lives, if we really want to be helpful to people, is we have to draw a line in the sand and decide who am I going to be? What is important to me? How do I really want to relate to the world? And what do I consider friendship to be? And sometimes we have to shift away from one group of people and we have to go seeking another. We have to really find people with whom we can have that kind of intimate, uplifted friendship rather than those who just want to be boisterous and a little bit inebriated. You know, this is, life is, life is a decision every step of the way and that's what this book is about. This book is not about sort of getting on the raft without a paddle and just drifting down the river wherever it takes you. This book is about this is who I want to be. And every day, the way this book is designed, every single day, there will be a significant challenging suggestion made to me. And I can go through this book from now to the end of my incarnation. And every single time one of these days comes around, I will be able to once more draw a line in the sand and see you know, how much I can do to rise to whatever that edge is that I've now set for myself. So we should take it very seriously for one very simple reason. We'll be happier. Because these uh, aphorisms, these suggestions, and Swami says this at the beginning of the book, these, these, this is my experience, he said. These are not just ideas I read somewhere. These are, are decades of his own absolutely dedicated effort, testing and proving every single one of these ideas. And so when he's writing them here, he's inviting us He's inviting us to go down a, a road he has paved and discover at the end of it the satisfaction that he also found. And I will add my testimony to his. I didn't write this book, and I can't claim by any means 
you know, success in living up to it. But I can testify to the truth of what's here. So, laugh with others, never at them. Let them feel that you are their friend. Avoid the boisterous laughter that is so commonly heard at revels. When I say laugh with others, I refer to that softer, more intimate sound which comes with inner appreciation for their company. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.